I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? <laughs> Stop trying to Let me up. suffer. Like, I just want to be miserable. Welcome, everybody, to the Big Players Only Ryder Cup special, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. Now, before we get into the Ryder Cup, let's talk about the Solheim Cup, the Ryder Cup equivalent on the ladies' side. A great showing from Team USA and Team Europe in Spain. The Spanish bull, Carlota Segunda, goes 4-0, pretty much Nailing down the cup, ends up in a tie, but the Europeans retain it because they had the cup going in. A wonderful set of matches. We'll talk about the best players and the worst players from this past week in Spain. And then we'll get into what everyone's been waiting for, the Ryder Cup preview special. Team USA takes on Team Europe in Marco Simone in Italy. A course that some might say is a little tricked up. It takes driver out of your hand a bit. It might not play into the U.S.'s hands, but I'll tell you what, a group of guys around this table are full-on Team USA this week. We'll talk about the future pairings we're expecting this week in the four ball and foursomes and who we think might take it, who our MVPs are, and who we think might have a bad week at Marco Simone. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And if you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. Give our most recent reel some love. Me, Colin, and Ken take on our, one of our favorite holes, the 11th hole at Musket, the drivable par four. Some good results, some bad results. We did it in collaboration with the best handmade vodka in the area. Scotty's, guys, if you haven't heard of it, it's cheap. It tastes great. It's a market leader. It's one of our favorites to put in our transfusions. Make sure you go check them out. All right, welcome to our Ryder Cup special. But before we get into it, we had another great golf outing this past weekend, the Solheim Cup, the equivalent to the Ryder Cup in the ladies game, U.S. versus Europe. Once again, this one is also hosted in Europe, just like the Ryder Cup will be. It ended in a tie. I think it caused a little controversy. I think we all know that when the Ryder Cup ends in a tie, whoever had the, whoever had the Ryder or the Solheim Cup keeps it. But I think it's, it's been interesting to, to celebrate a tie, even though you retain the cup. It doesn't really feel like a win. But let's get into it a little bit. This one was in Spain. A really great outing. A lot of the players played really good. There were a couple big names, but a couple big letdowns. Let's first get into the... European players, Carlota Segonda, right? The hometown girl, the Spanish player. She goes 4-0-0. She pretty much put Team Europe on her back between her and Leona McGuire. They looked unbeatable, no, no pun intended, because Carlota didn't get beat. But the EU team looked like it had a lot of chemistry. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, we had some drivable par fours on the golf course. Um, I had a lot of fun watching. If you guys, uh, any players you saw that you liked and uh, anyone you want to talk about? Leona McGuire. I was super impressed by her. I... I didn't realize like every shot from 150 yards out, she's hitting like a wood. Apparently she carries like five woods in her bag, which is just impressive that you can be that consistent hitting. I mean, a lot of woods more than more so than a lot of the other players out there. And it's just a testament to how good her short game is. And we saw that. I think it was Friday morning or Friday morning for us. I guess their afternoon yeah, Friday four ball yeah. 17, a crucial hole. I think this was right after Lexi flubbed her chip, which we can get into. 
But Leona just steps up and she hit a little short of the green and she just literally chips in to, I think, win the match at that point. And it was so electric. And that just shows you how how crucial short game is in these match play scenarios. So so she chipped in. Yeah. And Lexi had the eagle chip after that to, okay. like, answer. To get up and down to have And get match. up and down. And, you know, it, easily a tough lie. But, I mean, you can't you can make all the excuses you want. That's just, that was bad. I mean, that was, the moment was too big. Lexi's kind of infamous for doing stuff like this and, and melting away majors or or leads. But, you know, all in all, Lexi played really well all week. It was just kind of this one blemish on the scorecard of uh, not being able to answer that shot. It's such an interesting moment, I think, in kind of like how the golf media, too, handles these moments. So, right, Lexi has a, a chance to just – all she has to do is get up and down on 18 to have the match after Leona chips in. She's on like a bit of a side hill lie and an upslope on the rough, kind of right above a bunker. It's a hard shot. I'll say that. It is a hard shot, especially in the moment, under the pressure. But she straight up cold shanks it off the hosel so bad that the cameraman has to go scurrying away because it's about to hit him. So then she hits her fourth shot up on the green. They end up losing the match. And then in the presser after, now poorly worded, I think, by the reporter, he was trying to just get the essence of what happened there, Lexi, like walk us through the shot. He said, now, on your shot there where you were trying to chip it on the green and then you ended up shanking it, can you walk us through what happened? And, and Lexi's response Nothing is, he said was wrong. But Lexi's response is, I think, going to go down in, like, sports history as one of the, like, one of the most push-off responses. She goes, I don't need to respond to that. And then the reporter continues to ask questions. She goes, yeah, I don't need to respond to that. And then she talks a little bit about the lie and stuff. But I think uh, the captain, right after that happens, she's just like, oh, my God, what a terrible question. You can hear her murmuring under her breath. But... Everyone kind of like, they kind of baby Lexi. Like, I mean, I think there's a moment where you have to say, like, Lexi, you're an incredible ball striker. You're probably generationally one of the best golfers we've ever seen. And you have these major weak points in your game. And although I'm sure you practice it, but like we saw Vic, like we knew Vic had a major shortcoming in his short game and putting. In one year, that guy's been able to turn that around. So I feel like everyone's kind of just like fostering this, like, don't talk bad about Lexi, but sometimes you got to be a little critical on her. Yeah, I certainly thought the question was fair game. I it, she should have answered it. Every You're right. Everybody came to her rescue saying, oh, you shouldn't be asking her those kinds of questions. And it's like, if the women's game wants to be taken as seriously as the men's, which the caliber of golf is there, like they need to be able to to ask the tough questions and answer the tough questions and not just, you know, treat them with kid gloves because they're women and, you know, they can't handle the tougher questions. And so, you know, for her to for her to sit there and say that and everybody kind of come back and say, oh, you, you know, that was too hard of a question. And, you know, she... She played really well. She made one mistake, and you can kind of own up to it and just say, yeah, I, I'm going to do better next time, one of those things, instead of, like, <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. Like, I, think I don't it, need to. I think it speaks volumes to why she hasn't gotten any better at that part of her game. It's like it, you're so defensive on the question, it's probably because you're not practicing it enough. You know, anyone else would have just been like, God, what a terrible chip. Like, you know, that's like a one out of ten kind of thing, and it happened, and it was a big moment. But she also went 3-1-0 this week, so she played great. It wasn't like she was playing poorly all week and this was just a, a microcosm of her, of her full game. She played great. I was really – it was a tough response what I saw. She could have even, like, fired back on it. Like, well, what about my 70 right. other shots, like, when I was out driving everyone by 30 yards all day long? Like, something like that. I don't know. If the question was cheeky, you give a cheeky response. Yeah, I think she probably lacks a little confidence, and she shouldn't because the rest of her game is exactly. Probably she's top three in the world in pretty much every other aspect of the game except for chipping and putting. Yeah, but but back to Leona, who's probably the, the true star of this, and maybe not record-wise, but like you can just tell she is meant for tournaments like this. And that competitive nature, and it's, you know, it's 
it's one of those cases of like, how has she not been able to break through as good as she looks? Because she did the same damn thing in the last Solheim Cup of just she went four and zero. Nobody wants to play her. You can't beat her. Like she's just too consistent and just makes too many putts and gets the crowd all fired up. And you know she's probably going to go down as maybe one of the best Solheim Cup players because she's probably going to do the same damn thing next year right here in Virginia. She's got that Ian Poulter vibe to her. She's yeah. so she's seven two and zero in the last two Ryder Cups, and yeah, outside of that, I think she's won maybe once, maybe twice around the world, and never in majors. The other EU player notable is Celine Boudier coming in, probably the hottest name. She won two or three times this year. Odds on favorite at the Evian. O three and zero. I mean, didn't win a match, didn't really contend, kind of just didn't show up this week. So, so I just read something. A story came out. So they kind of said she asked to not play. Friday afternoon or Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Well, I think a story came out that she went to the captain after her morning round and said, look, I don't want to play with, um, I think she was with um, Georgia. Georgia. Yes, okay. Georgia. She, I think she played with Georgia. Georgia might not have played too well, and she went and said, look, I don't want to play with her again. Like, she just didn't play up to my caliber. Wow. That's the reason I lost. And so some some very political statements being made, basically saying she was too good to play with her. So the captain was just like, all right, I'm going to sit you then. Like, that's not a team mentality there. You pick your partners up. And so, yeah, you combine you combine shit like that with not playing very well at all. I mean, she just looked disengaged the whole time and, and arguably the hottest golfer coming into this and just didn't show up. And then you got the whole – the antithesis of that is Carlota Saganda, who hasn't been playing very inspiring golf the past year or two and comes in here and looks like a world-class player. In our home, home course. Home Couldn't have been a better time to show up, right? <laughs> Let's look at the U.S. side a little bit. So the top U.S. point getter was Megan Kang, which – didn't surprise me. I was happy to see it. I don't know if I would have picked her to be the the standout. She's been playing really good golf. She won in Portland, playing well coming up into this event. But she went 3-0-1, a really impressive performance from her. And then we talked about Lexi. Lexi, 3-1-0, easily could have been 3-0-1 or even 4-0 if she, she it gets up and down on that last hole and doesn't shank that chip. Let's talk about some of these uh, not-so-great performances. The big one, I think, for me is Rose Zhang, 0-2-1. Has two of her three matches. Doesn't even get to see the course that much. Only played three of the five matches. I thought they put her out of there, out there a little more. She looked a little uncomfortable. You know, the Rose we see, I think maybe she's not that fit for for Ryder Cup style because she's so down the fairway on the green, make a putt every once in a while. She doesn't quite have, she doesn't have that fire like you see in Carlotta where just out of nowhere, just firing at pins kind of thing. But a pretty disappointing week for Rose. Yeah, watching her in the, uh, the first time I saw her was Friday four ball. I think might have been the first time she played and she just missed everything right and just never really got it going and really never got it going the whole week. She had a couple of big moments and otherwise, you know, it, it was her first Solheim cup was, was the stage maybe too big as, as her being a rookie. And it's, it's surprising because she's so used to playing in these events, like kind of events. So she played in the Curtis Cup the year before, and and a lot of the amateur golf she's been playing is match play. And so you'd think this would be kind of a natural fit for her, but yeah, definitely definitely struggled a little bit. But she'll be back next year, and I'm sure we'll be able to avenge some demons that uh, she saw this year. Dove, I think you mentioned it first, but I'm surprised that they didn't play her in the foursomes match. As consistent as she is, like hitting fairways and greens, you'd think that'd be an asset and an alternate shot. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, certainly they. Uh, relied on the the analytics to put all their teams out and and they did great on Friday yeah won the first four matches they were up four zero you're kind of thinking okay like well they definitely needed that because this European team looked stronger 
and they ended up coming back to tie. Like the U.S. faltered a little bit on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, the Sunday matches were pretty close to split, but getting a 4-0 lead out there and then tying the cup was it was a little disappointing. I got to say. Yeah, and then and then another person that I'm going to kind of put on notice here a little bit is Nelly Corda. It's not that far fetched to say she's the best female golfer in the world. You know, rankings wise, I think she's what at two right now. She just never really showed up like the clear alpha of this group and all her matches and the singles was the perfect example of this is like she just ball struck the ball to death and was just going at pins and she just couldn't make a putt and that's kind of how her season has gone where she hits the ball really well she just can't make any putts and really never got the momentum going never really kind of got the crowd obviously in a way crowd but really never got into it emotionally as much as you'd hope for in that you know clear number one leader of a team and Nelly pretty classically always used like the Scotty Cameron Newport putter growing up in college to start a career and now she's switched to that putter that like Wyndham Clark and Ricky Fowler are using kind of the mallet style with the counterweighted grip kind of above your hands and you can tell she's really struggling and in the putter for her is so, is so hot and cold. She's not. She's always been a pretty good short-distance putter, but the 15, 20-footers, like, they're either all going in or they're not. And then I think the singles match was the epitome of her week. She loses, like, the first two holes and is just spending the entire match trying to catch up. And so every birdie she makes is not, like, putting her ahead. It's just trying to get her back to all square. The last player on the U.S. side I want to talk about was Lilia Vu. I mean, Lilia Vu's been on a bit of a heater the past six, eight months. She's won a couple times. Two-time major winner. Two-time major winner. I think she's probably inside the top five in the world. She goes 0-3-1. Not a very good week for her. She's got a lot of gain. This course fit her pretty well because, especially her and Rose, they're kind of like, they hit the ball pretty far, but they hit it extremely straight. They're kind of like the oddities off the tee. Like, Lexi hits it really far, but isn't that accurate off the tee? I was pretty. I was pretty uh, surprised to see Lilia not play really inspiring golf. Yeah, I think the record might be a little bit misleading there. I think she ran into a couple of the buzz saws of like the other team. She, I think she played. She might have gone up against the Lynn Grant, uh, Carlota Saganda four ball team on Saturday. That shot like twelve under or something. Yeah, stupid. eleven, I think. Yep. <clears throat> um, but yeah, definitely you'd you'd hope for more of a two time major winner this year and and somebody in really good form. Well, I, she's currently number one in the world. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she's that currently is, number yeah, one, right. and she kind of laid an egg this weekend. Yeah. So that was really disappointing. I mean, I think on paper they thought the EU was a little bit better, but you know with. Let, you know, Nelly and Lilia and Rose and Lexi. I don't know. This U.S. team had a lot of firepower, and I was I was pretty surprised they couldn't bring it home. Yeah. So, can I ask you a question as an outsider? Oh yeah. Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> like, uh, so I don't really understand like the era of women's golf right now. Are we starting a new era? Are we in the middle of one, or are we like heading to one? Like, is Roseanne going to be in the next Solheim Cup? Is Roseanne going to be like the clear best player, or is kind of Nelly right in the middle still? Like, what do you guys think moving forward? Who's going to be like the kind of the alpha of the team. I know you say you want Nelly to do it, but do you think she will? Like, do you, do you, where do you see the next? Well, I, I think I think women's golf in general kind of struggles with this right now. There is no clear top tier like you have in the men's game of like, right. oh, there's, That's there's reflect, one A, one yeah. B. And there's, there's so many women, whether they were playing this weekend or whether they're, um, they're not in the EU or USA, like, you know, Lydia Ko, Jin Young Ko, um, <clears throat> Ji Chun, right? Yeah, all, all those, and and nobody's really been able to separate, which you know is is a bigger issue probably with the game of like they don't have that true, you know, top dog. Um, but but one thing I did want to mention that I was saying that kind of goes along with what you were just asking. This was the first time I watched Lynn Grant play. I think she could be 
a clear number one player. I mean, she, she hits the ball different than everybody else. And she's very long, and we haven't seen much of her because she notoriously didn't get vaccinated, so didn't come to the U.S. at all to play in any LPGA events. So she's been playing on the, the LET tour. But I think she kind of made a big statement this week and played really solid in all of her matches and someone definitely to look out for uh, going forward. Is there, you mentioned all those, you know, the non-European golfers. Is there a President's Cup equivalent in the women's game or no? Yeah, I don't I don't think so. And and No, because the, the international team would destroy the yeah. U.S. team. I mean, they would be leaps and bounds better than it. It just never really came to fruition. So is there any... Like, I mean, originally, back in, at one point with the Ryder Cup, it was just wasn't just U.S. versus, like, the British Isles, so, like, the U.K. and, like, Ireland. Is there any, should they look into maybe doing some sort of restructuring here, like, you know, to kind of save that in a sense? Well, I, I think we talked about that with the Curtis Cup because it's what you just said, Great Britain and, you know, I, I, I'm going to embarrass myself knowing which ones are countries and, and everything like that, but that is a island, golf podcast, not yeah. a <laughs> geography. Um, let's throw it to Kevin. And it's like, guy. let's, let's either get a, you know, a couple other, uh, regions or areas in this and make it more interesting than just us slaughtering the, uh, or time. Great Britain. Yeah. Well, no, the, the Curtis cup, but yeah, same kind of thing. Like, whether it's U.S. or you just add another team and you have three teams kind of competing against one another, you know, I don't know the right Interesting. formats to go about this, but there's no reason all the superstars in Korea and Australia and, you know, everywhere else where these great players are at, there's no reason they shouldn't be in some of these big team formats. And it's a shame that we don't get to see them on this same stage of of the game. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of time. Like, isn't this only the 18th, is it 18 years or 18th time that they've actually played the Solheim Cup? Like, the Solheim Cup in the span of history, like, compared to the Ryder Cup, is really young. And, like, as the women's game continues to grow, I think it's just a matter of time before we get something like that. Yeah, so this was the 18th edition. And then, so there was this thing called the Lexus Cup that went from 2005 to 2008, so four years and it was a team representing Asia and then a team representing the rest of the world. They went two and two. The international team won two and the Asian team won two, but it looks like it only lasted four years. Seems like a prime sponsorship opportunity. We should hop on that. Yeah. <laughs> BPO Cup. We'll talk to the right people. Yeah, so, so they, offer you $7. The LPGA <laughs> does have something called the International Crown that I think they play every couple years, oh. which is kind of like... More country specific, so there's like eight countries represented, like somewhere in the south kind of thing, like a real country. Yeah, teams of two or four. <laughs> I, I, I forget what it is, but I remember that. But then a lot of the stars course. didn't actually play in yeah, it. It was a bit of a it, letdown. Yeah, the, the scheduling doesn't quite line up as well as it does for Solheim because the well, season's still. You have the Olympics too, right? <clears throat> Olympics is probably the individual. Best one. Yeah, yeah. Seems like there's a lot of potential here. Maybe we should uh, be on the committee. Well, I think it's headed somewhere. But, We've got women's golf yeah, growing. It's headed somewhere. But the the one, ex- <laughs> yeah, the one exciting thing. They're running it back next year, and it's basically in our backyard. Yep. Yeah. And, what course uh, is it at again? Down in Manassas. Yeah. Robert Trent Jones. Yeah, it's uh, going to be crazy. Should like, be a lot pirate or something? Yeah, yeah back-to-back years. It's like a COVID. It's like a – Yeah, because they didn't get to play it during COVID. But, yeah, 2024 at <laughs> the Robert Trent Jones. I mean, that's going to be incredible. We're definitely going to go to that. That's going to be amazing. Robert, what a guy. All right, let's get into the big topic of this episode, the Ryder Cup, coming up this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Marco Simone in Italy. Oh, nice pronunciation. Uh, yeah. Oui, oui. You know, I think, uh, you know, I was, I was reading some stuff about how 
this this is not going to be like the best venue. I've I've watched videos on the course, and I think the course is interesting. Oh, it's going to force you. It's going to force you to hit a lot of different clubs off the tee. It's not a course that you can just go bang driver at. I think I like those courses, like where driver's an opportunity. You know, you're bringing in some risk. At this course, like driver's off the table on half these holes because the dog legs and the rough is so thick. But we have, I think, a pretty evenly matched contest, heavyweight contest. I mean, the tops of both teams look incredible. Rory, Rahm, and Hovland for the EU team, and then Scotty. <laughs> oh, maybe that's telling right there. Um, I mean, I think the top three for the U.S. is kind of like it, it kind of can revolve. But you got like Cantlay and Shoffley and Scotty and Brooks. I mean, yeah, it, they, they have four very clear twosomes. Yeah. And then it's like a bunch of hodgepodge after that. But let's start this thing off. I want to hear who you guys think going into this, either EU or U.S. Um, I mean, I guess the, the MVP is going to have to come from the winning, te- winning team. But who do you think will be the MVP of the Ryder Cup, I guess that in, in turn means you're picking a team, but who are you most looking forward to? Who do you think is going to have the best Ryder Cup? Yeah, so I <laughs> I think this is going to be somebody from the EU side. I think the U.S. came in earlier this year as huge favorites, and all they've done is played themselves kind of in a worse position. Like the, the European guys, Vic Hovland kind of at the top of the list of just trending straight upwards of – of guys really rounding into form. And and he's kind of a guy that seems like, you know, now that he's in that upper echelon, he would feed off this, you know, team environment, getting the crowd going, and uh, and just being kind of himself out there and, and a natural fit in this format. Well, and of course that's going to really benefit ball strikers, guys that can hit the fairways, and then, you know, the 150 to 200-yard clubs, they can they have lots of birdie opportunities, and that screams victor. I like that. I'm going with a, a U.S. guy. I'm, I'm thinking Sam Burns, kind of. You know, a little under the radar year this you know, this past year compared to um, his 2022 campaign. But, I mean, you look at him coming off that plane, that mullet blowing in the wind. <laughs> you said Sam or Max Homa had one, too. He That's looks ready right to go. He looks ready to the go numbers say. to represent. He's going to be shooting fireworks off like he's fucking Joe Dirt. It's going to be a great time. And I, I just I know I feel like the U.S. does still have, you know, top to bottom, I think, the better team. Um, if you were to kind of go, and maybe not the – it's pretty evenly matched for those top dogs, but I think they have the overall, the depth on their side, and I think it's going to take one of those maybe lower-ranked guys to just get hot and be able to kind of win it. I think Sam Burns is an interesting choice, especially because he's <laughs> got to be he's going to be paired with Scotty. He's probably only going to play three The times. only reason he's there is because of Scotty, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah, so and when he goes 5-0 and oh and carries Scotty. Yeah, who you know, well, man. Like, Scotty right now. It's like how can't. Ken wins everything because he plays with Ben. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's like, equal. Scotty can't putt like right it. now. I mean, maybe Ken, he's, he's, he's a new putting. Bill Kenyon, grin. dude. I don't know. Didn't this putting coach videos? is an absolute yeah, genius. Man. Yeah, well, whatever. He, last time I saw Scotty, he couldn't putt. So if Sam Burns <laughs> is going to be there and hit putts and literally like take over these matches and win these matches, he could definitely be the MVP. So you like the pick or you don't like the pick? I'm not very. It's an interesting pick. It's interesting. <laughs> It's not going to be the MVP. The MVP Whoa. is going to be Colin Morikawa. Wow. I mean, but Ben said it best. It's a ball strikers course. They, this court, the par fours on this course, they pinch in like where most of these guys' driver length is going to be. So you're going to see a lot of three woods this week, I think, un- unless someone's pressing. And Morikawa, that's his game. Three wood in the fairway, mid to short iron into the hole. Which that's that's his bread and your game off of? I mean, maybe. Although I'm usually laying up like way back. I'm not. I can't hit my three. Way wood. back. You're the three wood. I don't know if you guys saw, but in the, I guess in their practice rounds. So we know Colin Morikawa uses like the old Sim Two driver. 
And we know, and we also saw Brooks putting an old SIM driver and an M2, an old TaylorMade three wood into his bag. So I think these guys are just like, I'll take a five, 10 yards off distance this week. I want to hit, I want to know something in my bag that I know is going to go straight. And, and those clubs go straighter because they don't, the ball doesn't trampoline off them as hard and they're, they're not as, as hot. Yeah, I, I'm anxious to see. I think his natural pairing is Max Homa, the, the California kids kind of playing together. I'm anxious to see how they play together because seemingly they, they're kind of a little opposite, I feel like, as far as their temperament. Like Max is going to be a guy who's you know excitable, getting the crowd going, uh, trying to feed off that energy, and, and Morikawa is just going to kind of be steady as she goes and just ball striking it to death. So I'm excited to see them play together. Something I, I don't know. Did they play together last year at the President's Cup? Are they like kind of continuing a pairing, or or is this kind of a new experiment with them? It'll be uh yeah, it'll be cool to see either way. So is that is that what you've heard? So let's go through some of these practice round pairings, which I think is a good light into an idea for what the pairings will be this week. So, Spieth. So this is the foursome, but you can make the two the two groups out of it. So it's Spieth, Cantlay, Shoffley, and Thomas. So Cantlay and Shoffley, whoa, mortal lock, mind so blowing. JT and Jordan will play together. The second foursome that went out was Morikawa, Brian Harmon, Ricky Fowler, and Max Homa. Now, I read that as Colin Morikawa and Ricky Fowler and Brian Harmon and Max Homa. Is there also another California pairing? Yeah. Yeah, is that the pod, California? There, there, how many, three pods? Oh, I was very <laughs> confused by that question. Okay, and then the next force. Some podcast? <laughs> that's, that's what I thought. It the next exactly force. Right I think way. the next force is interesting. I mean, Scotty and Sam. I think we knew that, oh, but we got Brooks and Wyndham. Yeah, that's an interesting. That's that's a pairing that could absolutely light the world on fire. Now, if they can find a fairway, if if they can't find the fairways, they be, they might struggle a little bit. But I like that pairing a lot. That's a fiery pairing. Do we are we still implementing the pod system? Yes, it's so doing it right now. <laughs> no, no, I mean like that was a big thing that Azinger Azinger put in place. Like that, someone's going to need to explain this to me. Okay, so the pod system. I you was, get together with a group of friends. Anyone can start a podcast. (laughs) Paul Azinger, U.S. captain. I don't know what year it was, but he watched. He read that the Navy SEALs do this thing called pods. So they, rather than the whole entire team like working together, you work in a group of like a smaller group, like four or six Mm -hmm. SEAL team. And then that is those are like your guys, and you like ride or die for those guys, even though there's a larger team at play. There's some science to that, and so like the pod. As it applied to golf is going to be those are the gu- going to be the guys that you play with. You're going to be watching if you're not playing with them. Those are the guys you're going to be watching. You're going to be supporting as like a smaller section of the larger team. With all due respect to Azinger and the Navy SEALs, I say screw that system for this because we haven't won on European soil in years. But we just kicked ass the last Ryder Cup. But again, we still haven't won on European soil in years, and he was the captain at least. Well, that's five why, captains ago. That's why I'm asking: Are we still? Is that still theoretically in play here? Like, are we looking at these pairings early in this week, saying who this is who's going to be paired with who? Well, I, whether you guys have an actual answer to that or not, it brings up a thing I was going to talk about, which is basically like I feel like there is pods within the group where our most popular players are actually not our best players right now. So we have Speed Thomas brooks and probably ricky, ricky yeah. probably are probably all in the right right in the middle yes. right like they're kind of some of the most of them are trending down Whoa. and they've had good or like potentially Whoa. good seat what jt and ricky are probably trending down <laughs> ricky's Wait. trending down Whoa, compared to, to be my compared, MVP. To, compared to where he was early in the year i'm just i'm just kind of thinking yeah if you compare to where he was a year ago but i'm just saying it's interesting right so because ben was naming our top guys which are all very kind of serious kind of more stoic golfers, I would say, Alexander, Cantlay, Scotty, to some degree. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have sure. our fan favorites. We're going to pull more of the crowds and, like, 
So I think there's the guys like like Homa, for instance, is like right in the middle of that. Like if someone like Homa really turns it up, he can be a fan favorite and be one of our best guys. Like there's, a, I feel like there's a lot of swing players. I'm I'm just curious about like team dynamics, right? Like I think your not- your comments are true, and I agree with them. And that's why I think we might go away from the pod system because I think it's going to be like we need all hands on deck for this thing. It's not like you concentrating on the other three guys in your pod. JT's going to need to be out there supporting anyone and everyone. And they, right. I mean, they're probably going to pair him with Jordan a lot. But you're going to need the big voices of this team to help some of these guys like Harmon and Burns and Wyndham. rookies and Wyndham. And like, I think it's going to be an all hands on deck kind of thing. Because I feel like, well, I guess what Colin was saying, like supporting within the pod, like I do feel that our team. Like the t- the European leaders are far more clear and a little bit more like bombastic and kind of galvanizing, right? Where it's like Rom, Rory, and Vic are all kind of like kind of larger than life personalities, yes. and they're the best players. So it's kind of like I feel like that could make or break us in that. It's, it's, I don't know if that's a point. If it's, I don't know what the analytics of that is, but it seems like an obvious well, difference. I think it's a really valid point in terms of like yes, they're t- on paper top golfers, but I think the PGA Tour top golfers versus your Ryder Cup point. stuff. I think it's a completely different. Like we already talked about in the Solheim Cup, there. Like Rose Zhang built for a you know individual performance versus the uh, team mentality, maybe that kind of thing. We hope. So that, I think like we hope it's not. Like we hope JT is good. At so I, I think it's. I don't think it's as clear cut and as big of a thing as maybe your thought process makes it out to be. From my opinion, I think when you go into Whistling Straits, you know your team is extremely good and much better than the European team. And you implement a pod system because you want to keep your world a little smaller. Go out there and get your do- and get your job done. I think that this Ryder Cup, you're going to go in with the strategy, and after the first set of matches, everything's going to be flipped on its head because yeah, we go down like four. Yeah, we go yeah. down on four. So I think that if that happens, then your pods are going to be screwed. So it's I think that's why you go until you get punched in the mouth. Right? right is exactly. That what that saying is yeah. Um, but I I I do think there is still some of that mentality, and you, we saw it with the captains' picks. They didn't go with yeah, necessarily the best players. Like Burns getting picked seemingly a little out of nowhere is because he's Scotty's buddy, and it's a natural folds right into his little pod. And mm-hmm. you know JT obviously kind of a larger than life figure on this Ryder Cup team. You know a, another kind of no brainer selection. Good. I think what I'll say about the point that you guys are bringing up and. This is kind of how I thought about our team that went into whistling straight, so I'm feeling good about it. But a lot of the guys on our team, I would argue that most of the guys on our team, except for maybe Scotty and Cantlay, they have an edge to them, right? Like they're, and, and I think that's crucial in match play when you talk about match play compared to stroke play. Like stroke play is all about managing risk, hit the fairway, hit the green in, a, in a, the right spot and, and putt. The match play is a whole different animal. Like if you get down, if you get punched in the face, as Dub said, you got to be aggressive and like you have to have that edge to like go out there and be a killer. You say wind would Wyndham and Brian I mean, have an edge to him. Wyndham, I think, I think yeah. Harman, I think, does. I think Harman definitely Harman's has an edge fella. to him. Yeah, yeah. He's scrappy. I was worried uh, about Wyndham until he came out and like made those comments about Rory, but <laughs> that makes me feel, <laughs> I think it actually great. makes me like feel better about him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, when I think, you look at the we say like, I'd like we have an edge. Our team has an edge. And again, which I really like when you look at the East side, it's really just Rory and, and, and Rom, those are the guys that are like, they can get back up when they get knocked down. All these other guys, you just don't really know about, right? I mean, yeah, Tommy, he's kind of shown us he's the guy that doesn't show up in the big moments. So maybe thinking he's like their third best golfer, he might not but be. But he's also shown to be a great Ryder Cup guy. When he played with, with Francesco Molinari, their pairing was incredible. Yeah, so, so this year is a huge passing of the torch for the EU team. And we're going to see it like... 
all the guys who never came in with great form, but were always like, I don't want to play against him. Like Poulter, Sergio, Westwood. Mm-hmm. Westwood. All those guys were just relentless. And none of them, like it's a complete purging of the old old system. And now it's this whole new uh, kind of younger movement coming in. So it's it's going to be a very different Ryder Cup in the past of like, there's nobody out there that you just hate. And I can say watching previous Ryder Cups, like I hated watching those guys play. Do you, as a Ryder Cup captain, would your strategy be to try your best to beat the best or, or throw a <laughs> yes, sheep? Try to your the, best yeah, is try the like, way to go. Yeah, throw a sheep to the wolves, like put your weakest player so up. I believe when they do the pairings, it's like, uh, you, you pick know, one pick, you do one. The, one the, the, the U.S. Picks, a, picks the first it's match. Like snake draft. Right, right very right? snaky, yes. And I think, I don't know, I agree with what Dub's saying about, like, this, U, this EU team is passing the torch and it's young. I could see this being, like, an absolute dumpster fire for them. I could see some of these guys, big moment, not really showing up. I don't see that on the U.S. side. I see a lot of very consistent golfers. Putts might go one way or the other, but I see the U.S. as being very solid. I, th- I see the European team as boom or bust. I don't really see this being super close. Either the EU team wins by four or five points or they lose by four or five points. So I got a question. I should probably know the answer to this. Is Tiger going to be on site for this? Is he one of the no, assistant no. captains or anything like that? No, he's not, well, he's not listed. He's, he's he busy. can show up. He's but, on the bag for Charlie. Yeah, so yeah. Just, yeah, yeah but bigger he, fish. I don't think he's expected to he's make on an the, appearance. He's on the task force or whatever. He'll be there. Okay. He's cultivating like he's youth in the, in the U.S. Yeah, uh, but my thought process there was if he does show up, you know that's got to be a weight off the shoulders for JT with how tight they are. And I really do think JT Or is it weight back. on the shoulders? Is it a little pressure I, from I think it's going to be Uncle relaxing Tiger. for him. He's going to, they're going to hang out the night before, have some dinner, talk about the round. Tiger's going to give him a couple dinner. pointers. And a couple I, lines. I think that would be like the, the peace of mind I think that JT would need. And then he's going to get out there with Jordan and just go to town. No, I, I want Charlie there to, you know, get in JT's ear and talk a little shit. I think that'll fire remote and say yeah. draw a hole or whatever it was. <laughs> I think getting back to the question, so that's who you're taking as MVP, Tyler, is JT? It would be. Um, I, I, and, it, and it is. but <laughs> It would be and it is. <laughs> but I, I just think this is his event. It's like we all look at it. It's like we're not surprised JT got picked. He's been playing so poorly. But it's like you've got to have JT on this roster. And like I said, he's, he's going to be out there with Jordan. And it's something's just going to click for him. It's going to be the emotions. He's going to forget about all these little things he's been doing on the range with the pool noodles and all that <laughs> stuff. And he's just going to get his feel back and he's just going to go to town. And I think you're going to see him get fired up and just get hot and go. Well, he played really yeah. solid at the Fortinet. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, JT's, JT's kind of back, right? He played good at the Fortnite championship. Yeah. It, I'm thinking of if, <laughs> if the Solheim taught me anything, check the prior form coming in at the door and it's just, Back to square one. It's your subconscious. And kind of so thing, yeah. JT, he's got a D on his chest. He's a dog. He's going to be out there, and <laughs> he's going to live for the moment. Get that dog. I could it. see him and Spieth rolling out there right. for four straight. Maybe matches. Colorado references aren't think, the best after this past weekend, <laughs> but we need these for duck. We need to send Spieth and Thomas out first. I think like, JT I and Spieth. That. I think they might play five matches. Yeah, that grouping. And and Cantlay and Shoffley will likely play five matches. Yes, like that. So that'll be boring. That but duo is is awful to watch. But you could, they, what, those two, either of those two, could easily become MVP, and yeah. it's just like you're not allowed to pick them. Because because they're boring, but <laughs> yeah. they could go five and zero. Oh, but you're not allowed to pick them. Well, it's kind of like it's. I mean, we're getting ready for playoff baseball here. It's kind of like that, right? You you have a rookie that has a really good year, and they never have done it in the playoffs, right? So it's a completely different game when you show up and it actually matters, right? So I feel. I mean, I, I would wonder what the. I would like to see like the average like age and experience for each team. Is it is the assumption that the is the U.S. team 
that much more experienced. No, than I saw something that was even. actually pretty it's close. Yeah. Uh, at least based off of like those that had experience, like the record was almost identical yeah. in matches. Uh, some, it was golf digest or whatever posted something that had a comparison. It was pretty similar. Uh, so I, yeah, you know, I think that's kind of a bit of a wash for us. I think statistically, right, the the the, the European guys they have people that have played in more, but they also have more rookies and more younger people. More and, yeah, they have more variants than the U.S. team. But I think the numbers kind of crunch out to the same place. But you got like Matt Fitzpatrick, McIntyre, Hoygaard, Aberg, even Hatton, even Straka. Like none of these guys oh. are. Yeah, they're not LVPs. They right? are. They are not a well experienced. Now they're solid golfers, but I don't know if I don't know if they're going to have that fire in them. Hatton missed a cut two weeks ago. Yeah. All right. Let's look at the EU team a little bit. I'll, I'll give you these pairings from the practice round. The first group that went out: Tommy Fleetwood, Sepp Straka, Shane Lowry, and Rory McIlroy. So I think they're thinking Fleetwood and Straka, and Rory and Shane. So that means I have to root for Rory. The Irish contingency. <laughs> I mean, I think Shane and Rory are an unbelievable pairing because Shane, great putter, great short game. Rory, great vibes, yeah. the opposite. Right, vibes, good driver, yeah. good iron player. Tommy and Tommy and Sepp, I mean, so it doesn't instill a lot of fear, but that's probably two of the top 20 putters on the planet, really. Honestly, so I feel like a, that is their can't lay and shot. Uh, shot uh, yeah, shot. Like, comparison where it's kind of not that exciting to watch Tommy like he's a little more fiery than any of, any of those guys but golf like how their golf game works I think it's that is kind of a comparison that could actually be an interesting man I wonder if they even have Diet Coke in Italy Sepp's <laughs> gonna be struggling he had to fly in his own Coke second grouping and soda too second grouping is John Rahm Victor Hovland Tyrrell Hatton mm-hmm. and Aberg from what I've seen it seems like Hovland and Aberg seem uh-huh. like the grouping so Rahm and Hatton Talk about a group that could absolutely blow the bottle they, off that place. Yeah, they, or implode. Yes, I mean, either way, it's going to be good or bad, but that group is going to implode or make the crowd go crazy. Are, I think Aberg is the most interesting golfer out there this year. I think Aberg could easily be the MVP. I don't know. Is there something about his game that seems so consistent? I just don't know if he's going to have to have a good record. Yeah, right? all these teams you're mentioning sound like great four-ball teams. Maybe Rory and, and Shane a little bit different, but like these are some guys who can fill up the cup and make a lot of birdies. Yeah. Aberg might be the best driver out of both teams. Yeah, I think you give. Yeah, I think yeah, you might even give him a little edge over Rory. I mean, Rory's got a little bit more in the tank, but Aberg, man, his ball is so straight; it's ridiculous. Who did you say, Rom and Rom and Hatton? Hatton. Yeah, and these are just tentative. These are the practice rounds. That that looks like it's going to implode. Rom on paper. plays with they, those are. But fun. that's another pairing of like Hatton, great putter. Rom, good ball striker. Right. So they're just trying to pair the guys well, together. Two then. absolute hotheads. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like it, one thing, they get one person like fucks up in a bunker, and they're just going to go implode on each other. I feel like. But then you get Hovland and Aberg. I mean, that's that's the complete opposite, right? Both pretty level headed. I mean, How much weed are they going to? Vic smoke might before? get a little bit. I mean, when Aberg won his event in in Munich or whatever, like I don't even think he smiled after he made his yeah. eight, his putt on the 18th. I guess just because he knows like he's got 30 more wins coming in his career or something like that, but. There's not, I don't know, that's a good golf, like a good golf pairing, but they're not going to be too exciting, I would say. I don't know, Aberg to walk into this room right now, and I would have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who's not in our pocket <laughs> tall sweet. You, you look like I would realize he doesn't belong here, but I wouldn't be able to name him. No, oh, you look Scotty? like Ludwig. <laughs> All right, fourth pairing. I don't know which way this is going to go. This might just be the four that they're not going to have go out on, th- on Friday and Saturday, but Matt Fitzpatrick, Justin Rose, Robert McIntyre, and Nikolai Hoygaard. I don't know. You probably put Rosie and Fitzpatrick together, countrymen, and then Rob McIntyre, Nikolai Hoygaard. But Ugh. I don't see Rob, Mac- Rob McIntyre, Nikolai Hoygaard probably touching I, the turf. I think they're going to be hidden Friday, Saturday. Well. Yeah, I think they're just looking to get those guys some experience. <laughs> I feel like not Fitzpatrick could easily be the best player he's, on the U.S. He's kind yeah. of a sneaky, he's a good like, match play guy, he match could, play he could, player. He could, like got a lot of fire in his belly. Yeah. 
make some strides. His brother's playing better golf than him right now, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> I mean, Bones did also beat me at tobacco. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> All right, let's make some predictions. Let's go around the room. We've done a little bit of the MVP talk. Let's go ahead and let's pick some teams. Let's uh, maybe pick some scores out of 28 points. I'll go first. Smart, smart. I think it's going to be the U.S. Uh, 16 to 12, and I think they're going to win pretty pretty easily. I mean, I think that it'll be a little close, but I see the singles matches going like, you know, probably – I don't know, nine to three. So I see a, a late Sunday charge that kind of just takes them and they keep the lead that they have going into Sunday kind of thing. Well, I was going to say the same exact score, so I'll just get mine out of the way. I was going to say 16-12 as well for the U.S. I think Europe gets off to a good start. Um, Europe has guys that like truly do like scare me. It's like you get Rory just goes out there and shoots crazy lower. You get John goes out there and do something crazy. But I think the totality of the team, you're going to see the U.S. Like you said, there at the end, come up in the singles. I think in the foursomes, I think the U.S. probably has a little bit of an edge. It's just a team that knows each other a little better. Yeah, you got a couple new faces on that team, but you got consistent teams and JT and Jordan and Xander and Cantlay, and these are guys that are just so comfortable with each other. Just like the small things of like. These guys probably even play the same ball, so they don't have to worry about like a different ball and how it might react. I think on the on the European side, like I think you're manufacturing some teams. There's a couple that kind of work, but I think these guys, in the most part, haven't played a lot together. But then in four ball, I think it gets a little hectic, like Tyler's saying. I think in four ball, Europeans going to go out there. They're going to make some birdies. The U.S. is going to try to get aggressive, and it's not a course you can press too hard on. So I think it'll be pretty even after after Friday, Saturday, and I think Sunday, U.S. just pulls away. So I don't want to diverge from the final score commentary but but i will <laughs> but what do i don't you, want to i could but i won't did you hear that um <laughs> europe is switching it up this year and going with foursomes first which is like i guess historically usa when it's on u.s soil we do foursomes and then four ball the first day europe usually does four ball and then foursomes and they this year they're going foursomes and four ball first because they think they're better at foursomes mm. and they want to get out to an early lead they think that they're going to mesh better interesting well, because they're trying all of these little tactics and they picked a course that's maybe a little, not gimmicky, but like they take and drive right out of hand. They're taking all these, going real aggressive to try to take away the American ability. I'm going, screw them. Cocky American, 19 and a half to eight and a half. Woo! Dominant U.S. win. Oh my God. One half point more than they won last rider. Don't even watch on Sunday. It's going to be over. Yeah, that's what we're seeing. I do think it might backfire on them a little bit. They're going to try to set this course up for what they think the EU is better for. But I look at that U.S. team, and I see five to, to eight amazing iron players, right? Guys that are going to go. I mean, JT and Jordan both, like, when they're feeling it, they can hunt down some pins. And then Xander and Cantlay and Homa, these guys are all just incredible mid-long iron players. I mean, when it comes down to it, like, the biggest difference for most of these players is, sure, a driving distance. But outside of that, they can all pretty much hit the same shots with any other club in the bag. Like, you, sure, you're taking away 40 yards advantage kind of situation, but assuming they all hit the you know that fairway and that tight landing spot sort of situation they're all then going to hit the same seven iron five iron whatever club it is and they can all hit those shots any other predictions since we're going back to that now <laughs> sorry i think it's going to be really i actually think it's going to be really close i think these teams are matched a up. tie no i'm not saying a tie i think these teams are matched up pretty well i think europe's really top heavy but i think we have an opportunity to kind of our bottom tier guys to kind of take advantage of their bottom tier guys. I'm going to say 15 and a half to 12 and a half. I think it's going to come down to those last like three matches and it's going to be exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. We going to you? 
Yeah, so it? I'm going to go contrarian. I'm here. doing it too. Oh. Boom. Get All me right, off see you guys this next couch. Week. If, Get me off this couch. If history tells us anything, we are so overconfident right now. We haven't won on European soil in, um, I can't do the math that quick in my head. What, 30. 24, 30 years? 30. I yeah, was born so, the year that the U.S. last won. Wow, European thanks a lot, man. So we're doing this. When Anthony I was born, you stopped winning. Uh, is coming back out on the U.S. team to kind of lead them to victory. No, I, I just, I, I see the, the EU do, doing just enough to kind of hang around. Like you said, I think they're going to struggle in foursomes, and I think they, they can easily kind of pull away in four ball just because of that. They have some elite elite players in it and i think they are more geared for this type of format like their top guys like i think ken was saying their best players are also their most fiery competitors versus like that's not how the u.s side is at all and so i think i think it's going to be like close i think i'm going to see Rory in an anchor match on Sunday. Choke it away like he does every major. <laughs> pull out a victory nah. against probably he's, well, he might just have a uh, sacrificial lamb that he's playing against that he's going to slaughter. But I, I see him kind of, you know, coming down, similar to Solheim, come down to the one of the last couple holes of the day and kind of decide the whole thing. You know, I think the EU teams never really lacked the stars. I think that this Rory, Rahm, and Vic, like the way they're playing is probably the strongest the European team's ever been on the top side. But they've never really lacked their stars. They, you know, Luke Donald was a former former world number one. Sergio was a former top three player in the world. Like, they've had their stars. And I think this year they really lack those anchor people that they always relied on, right? Like Poulter and Westwood. Guys that were... Plenty pretty, of anchors that are going to bring them down. It's fine. But I think that without those guys, those are points they, that they've always needed to kind of edge it out in Europe. And, and this year they're going to need some of the younger guys to step up. Like, I think Aberg could step up. But without the big, consistent points from the classic amazing match play players, I think the EU is going to struggle. So if it's going to be as close as some of us think it's going to be, what is that final match you would want to see? Like the most exciting to watch, your big dog versus big dog. I feel like we're all going to say Rory from the European side, but who? JT. JT. I JT I'm Rory and JT too. Like, is there any any other option? Scotty what? versus Rom. One mm. versus two all year. Mm. Rory's so actually score. world number two. Most of the year, all year. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I'll just say Rory and Scotty. I think that would be incredible team. Yeah, I, I, I think, mean, JT, I like, but I think that JT is going to have to go out earlier, no matter what, because that's like a point that you know you're going to get if he plays good. So I think you just get it out of the way. Set, set a precedent. It depends on how we go into Sunday, but my ultimate match would be Rory versus Scotty. That'd be incredible. Yeah, one thing uh, to change the subject here. One guy we haven't mentioned, I don't think even at all, Brooks Kepka. Yep, and he's kind of that you know he's yep. that be the alpha assassin kind of guy. He's an omega, and we haven't talked about alpha him. And it'll omega. be it'll be interesting to see if he's used much. And I think Zach Johnson came out today and made a very uh, <laughs> keep saying interesting comment that he didn't even call Bryson, and he said something like, "Well, Bryson knows how he has to qualify for this team." Basically, saying he had no chance unless he won a major. Which I thought, you know, was was very telling of the mindset of the team. It's not, you know, we're not necessarily taking the best players, the players that fit well. It's like, no, you have to play on the PGA Tour if you want a chance on this team. And so I kind of see Brooks as a little bit of an outsider in this team. And he might be one of those leaders and, and one of those fiery competitors that might not get nearly as many opportunities to play as he otherwise would. I think that hatchet's been just been buried a little bit. I, d- I agree with where you're coming from, but I just think that with the whole PIF merger and the PJ Tour and the new tour, like I don't think there's as much division as there used to be. And I look for Zach to really lean on Brooks. Like, you know, he's got his consistent pairings for the four ball. 
or for foursomes, but in four ball, I, I expect him to put him out there and, and say, go make some birdies. I think, I think Brooks is a, an exception when we talk about live versus PGA and how yep. it affects the Ryder cup. I think DJ could have also been an exception. Although I think Brooks is more of an exception. Like he lives in Florida. He probably plays with these guys all the time. Like he's, he's tight. Not only is he tight with like the USA guys, he's like tight with Rory and the other, the guys on the European team, like Cam Smith too. Like he, just cause they all live yeah, there. He is like the one, he's like the one guy who, I can see coming out and really meshing with this team and really being a crucial part of this team. Is Bryson going to be in the crowd doing like the red lobster? Like, I'll see you red lobster. <laughs> Bryson's I'll be there. Still still pitching candle. on the live like door. Like he was complaining this past he weekend. Won, about, yeah. He won. He won. He was like, well, I think I should have been picked and like saying shit. So I, I do not think he's going to even tune in. It feels like before we get to Ken's prediction, which I think the audience is waiting for. I would like to talk a little bit about Bryson. I, he wins two of the last three live events. Oh, he's, he's playing great golf. I mean, I just watched a YouTube video where he goes out and plays with GM golf. And I mean, yeah, well, these that's guys, what, that's the thing. He's you know YouTube how good these star. guys are. But like when I watched him play that match, like, how many takes did you think he took in that? No, GM I think game? it was all legit. And I swear, like Bryson looked like he was playing some extremely good golf. I mean, just knocking down pins from 200 yards, driver 380 down the middle. I am a little upset Bryson didn't make this team. Now, the only reason I would say that's not true is because I'm not sure this course fits him that well. It's not a course you can bomb and gouge whatsoever. But I think Bryson's playing good enough to golf to get on there. And I agree with, I don't know if that's where Dub was getting at, but I think that Zach Johnson kind of took, I don't think he considered Bryson. I think he should have considered Bryson. It became more of a, you have to play on the PGA Tour to be on this team. And I think Bryson, one, should have got a phone call. I don't know who you take out to put him in because I think you put Sam Burns in for Scotty, right? And I think that's really important because he's world number one. Scotty could win every match if he feels supported by Sam. But I think Bryson's got to get a chance here. Oh, nice. You calling Sam Burns Scotty's jockstrap? Yes. I oh, totally disagree. I totally disagree with that. You can't put Bryson on this team. He sued like seventy five percent of the guys on the team. <laughs> and and, and all the other be for team. Very good and point. you put him heads up against Rory. He's going to talk so much shit. He was hanging out with Patrick yeah, Reed yeah. too much. Sorry, he, he is a guy who's kind of bred for this environment. Though. I would have put Patrick Reed on this like, team. Like he's going to get hyped. He's going to hit bombs and just start going nuts, and he's going to bring a whole different and he doesn't edge to this team that we don't give otherwise have. Bryson's a guy that comes in in the clutch too. I'll say that about him. He is. He doesn't. He doesn't back down from the big lights, and he played great at Whistling Straits. I think. I think he would have been a great addition to this team. Second, I'm going second full hole, laying his putter down, making full sure villain. the ball. Yeah, like that's the yeah. good shit. <laughs> I'm going full villain. Europe, going to win 15-13. Europe, Europe, Europe. Sep's going to go undefeated and oh be the MVP. One and oh. Sep's only going to play like two times. <laughs> Sep's he might go, go undefeated. undefeated. <laughs> Sep's going to be one and oh. Sep's going to beat Scotty. Oh, oh, Sep's going to beat yeah. Scotty to clinch it. You wow. heard it here first. I can see something like that. The EU comes in on Sunday a little bit down. They start putting their big guys out first to get the points on the match, and Sep ends up as the anchor. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> I, I hate saying this. Um, we've, we've talked very positively about Scotty. I could see him being a big liability. This played, he mm. correct me if I'm wrong, but he did not play well in the presidents. He Cup. did not play well. Him and Burns did not play well together. Yeah. And Scott, like this, is all about like yeah, you can ball strike the ball to death and and win some matches, but like it comes down to the green. And Scotty, yeah, sure, he's got a new putting coach. Like you don't overnight figure out how to hit like five foot putts. Yes, and you do because you've always been good at them, except for the past. 12 months. And if you look <laughs> at Scotty at Whistling Straits, he put it amazingly. I think this is to a potentially right really big moment for Scotty. The putter turns on this week, and then the next four years we see a, a Scotty that we used to see on the greens. 
Talk about course setup. If I'm Team Europe, I'm going out and I'm dropping a thousand balls on every green right before that first round. <laughs> He's used to it, just so Scotty has to putt on those greens that are all. <laughs> always teeing off so He's late. Used to it that just have a crane just drop them from a thousand feet. They got helicopters that do that. Oh, that's true. It's, it's Italy. All right, so we got four <laughs> U.S. and two EU. <laughs> we got choppers. <laughs> hey, I've been to Rome. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the last question I have actually to round out this segment is, if you were to pick a player on either team that you think could be the biggest letdown, who do you think it would be? I think Josh has answered that question, didn't he? Yeah. Do you think Scotty, Josh? I, I think Scotty's going to play five times, without a doubt. I, I, I really hope that I'm wrong, but this just this magnifies your weaknesses, and especially if it's around the greens and putting. Like, he, he could be in those situations, whether he's playing foursomes, he's got a four-footer for par and just can't make it and can't make all the birdies he's you know he's going to be stuffing pins and he's going to just keep missing six to ten footers for birdie and not be able to kind of make any momentum i think if scotty doesn't putt well it mostly depends on how his opponents are playing if his opponents aren't pushing the pedal down i think he's going to be fine but if they start pushing the pedal right it's going to be a make or break moment for scotty it's got to be like you gotta you gotta run or you gotta hide oh i can just oh i can just run i i think i would be let down if rom didn't do well I feel like he's like. Is that you or so Evelyn? So you're the yeah, letdown. Okay. I'd be let down. Evelyn hasn't even listened to this Spins podcast. <laughs> Ram, I mean, Ram is probably my favorite golfer, honestly. Whoa! Wow, Team Europe. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I might get a full team villain. Europe. I might get a Team Europe jersey. Well, <laughs> you get a jersey. Fanatic. Fanatic. Yeah. Points bet. Ben got a hat. That the. Would you get that? What hat? International. It just said INT. You look like a ref. You like the underdog. Yeah. Yeah. This is Daniel Jones support group hat. I'm going to get a jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Although the, we haven't talked fashion. Colin, do you have any thoughts? They're kind of, they're kind of well, generic. Why would you direct that to Colin and not me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you the fashion guy? I don't, really, I don't really like the... I didn't see the European uniforms. I don't really like the U.S. uniforms. They're kind of plain. There's, the one, there's one outfit they're supposed to wear where it's like a navy blue polo with like a royal blue pants and i'm like i don't understand what's going on there Maybe even i know that's the, not it's right. the blueberry yeah. to intimidate matt fitzpatrick <laughs> what the hell am i wearing um can we just bring back like the 99 brookline shirts like i know they at the time like maybe is, five is years the, like one, the ones with all the, the pictures picture on frame. it <laughs> like like five years after that everyone thought that was like the hideous most hideous thing ever but now looking back on it like 20 some years ago i think it was fire like do something weird what do something a statement fun. that would be they all come out sunday singles in, in no the throwback shirts. oh my god i think it'd be great if they just came out with like pictures of them celebrating the last rider yeah. versus something just really petty i mean i get it that we need to be red white and blue but we can do like we can do interesting stuff with that what about shades what about like colors. a highlighter blue or something different like oh no europe gets to go out like someone call jay Lindbergh and you're see out. what they can put up europe, europe gets to come out whenever europe. the hell colors they want they get purple brown yeah. orange blue yellow. yeah hopefully well, more brown. united so it's true they aren't. There's <laughs> different countries. <laughs> to go back to answer your question, Ben, well, I, I hate to say this because I really like to root for this guy, but on the U.S. side, I'm I'm a little worried about Ricky Fowler. His, that's exactly who I was. Ooh, his, that's not who I would have thought you were going to say. I mean, his like historically, his match play record is not that great. <laughs> I think he's like he is. He's like he's a million ties if I remember correctly. As a half point, yeah, but he's. He's just not. He's just not good. He's not really. Hasn't really been an asset in these Ryder Cups, and I just think that he had a really good year. 
everyone's behind him. And I just think it, I, I hope it, I hope it holds up, but I'm worried that it might not because it, it's only been one year that he's had this meteoric rise. Yeah. He, he worries me a little bit. Cause I think over the last couple of years, we've seen him maybe be a little bit more stoic when he's on the course. He's not as exaggerated when he's out there. It's like, now I feel like if he, if he's having a good round, we might see a fist pump out of him or something, but I, I want him firing up his partner. And I, I just don't see him like that anymore. We, I feel like there's been a lot less emotion from him when he's on the course, which I don't think will <coughs> be good for him. I think Xander and Cantley are the only two guys that can get away with that. Just like not showing any emotion and just being a stone wall. I mean, Brooks a little too, but Brooks will get a little fired up. He's, he has that natural fire. You can, tell, show you can tell when Brooks is fired up. Right. He walks a different way. He's out there. He's got the like chest that glare. Is just humped up. Yeah, he's got the little glare about him. Like, you know when he's feeling it, but it's like you don't see it. <laughs> Who did we say the pairings were shaping out to be? Was it Ricky and Brooks or Ricky and someone else? No, it's looking like it's going to be Ricky and Morikawa and Brooks and <laughs> Brooks and Wyndham Clark. That's who they put out. That's just that. That sounds. That looks like they're pods. It, although I don't think I like it and might argue against it. I think they are probably still using the pod system. Ew. I'm a little worried about. I'm. I'm going to get some backlash here. Jordan Spieth. Mm. Go. I think, I think this course just does not sort does not suit Jordan mm. at all. Like Jordan's always Round. good for two Round. or three ridiculously Round. wild tee shots around. So if he's phone. If he's hitting driver much at all this round, I mean, at this course, it's going to be a tough one for him. Like, Jordan's short game is great, so if his drives are just in the second cut and not in the heather, I think he'll be okay. But I worry about him a little bit, and I think putting him out with JT, I think that's an incredibly risky move. Like, I know these guys have great chemistry, and I know they're great golfers, and they're good match play players, but I think Jordan, if, if JT's game gets a little bit off the rails and Jordan starts feeling those effects a little bit, this is not a course that you have, can even have a little bit of doubt. You have to be completely confident the entire time or it'll bite you. I mean, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong, but you're horribly, horribly wrong here. Just so you know. We'll see. Now, I mean, in Jordan's events here, like he's shown the ability always throughout his career to be able to hit that creative shot to get himself right back in play. I'm not saying he's going to run out there and be the guy that's mowing people down, you know, getting all the birdies every you know second. But JT puts him in a weird spot, or honestly, vice versa. Both of them can just hit any shot in the bag from anywhere on the course. So I feel like they have the ability, the experience, and like the passion for this tournament that I, I think you kind of kind of throw out some of your preconceived notions about Jordan Spieth's game. I'll be interested to see. I think that's a big decision for Zach Johnson to put Jordan and JT out in foursomes. I'm not sure. I think it's a big risk. I think it could pay off, right? I think it's the kind it's the kind of move that could pay off. But they're going to be they're much better suited for four ball where they can play their own ball and make lots of birdies and use their amazing short games to save holes, but putting them out in foursomes, which I think ZJ is going to do. I think ZJ is going to try to play those guys as much as they can, but I could see the the foursomes being a bit of an issue for them. You know what? Would you guess um, Zach Johnson's Ryder Cup record is over under 500? Way it? under. Oh, it's actually over. Oh. 8-7-2. 8-7-2. Uh, nice. Way under. Way, a lot of way over? Captain. And that's coming from <laughs> Team Europe guy over here. Do you want to know something? Team Europe. I had like an epiphany, and I wonder. Tommy Riggs. I always wondered, like, you know, how come the best players in history didn't always have great Ryder Cup records? And I kind of thought, oh, okay, maybe big moment. Everyone's always coming for him. Well, so no. It's totally it's, different. It, no, they always pick, get paired against the best players. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, if you're if you're a Rory, if you're a Tiger, even Tiger's Ryder Cup record's not nearly as good as you'd hoped it would be. It's yeah, probably two or three matches over 500. That's because Tiger's always <laughs> being paired against the best groups. Well, I, I also think it's a little bit, too, like, you're the top player because of how you play stroke play. Yeah. And you're a... You know, Tiger, he's not a team player. He's, it's a t all Tiger all the time. 
And so when he's got to play with a partner, it kind of throws off his game a little bit. So I just think it's kind of how you're molded as a as a player. Honestly, I, I think Tiger today would be a much better Ryder Cup player than he ever was in his prime. I mean, I think Tiger's shown he's an incredible match play player. And, and whether you put him with a partner or not, I think that the argument just boils down to he's always getting the hardest match. Like the, the best records in the Ryder Cup ever, when you look up those guys, you're just like, wait, who the hell is that? Right, it's like Lanny Watkins went nine one and zero. It's like what? No, oh, because Lanny Watkins he's is a great him. golfer, but he was also not ever playing the cream of the crop. You don't ever really see guys that were number one in the world going into a Ryder Cup going five and zero because they're always getting paired against the best from the other team. Oh, another Scotty. Uh, you know that's not good for Scotty either. Or Rory, right? I mean, I think that Rory's another good example. He, his Ryder Cup record's not great, and I know Rory maybe down the stretch he's not always the best, but like he got paired up against JT. Uh, La Golf National, and that was an incredible match. But that's the, that was the American's best singles player, and he got paired up against Rory, the best European singles player. So that's why I think JT was that the first match that day. That was uh, I feel yeah. like that was early, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's why JT is such an oddity, and that's why JT is such a good asset for this team, being one of the best golfers in the world, knowing he's always going to get a really good match, and then his match play records unbelievable. That's why you put JT on this team. Is Kiko going to be there? No, no Molinari's. Him or his brother. Am I going to be helping out? Might be a co-captain, yeah. I bet he is. Yeah, they got to be there, right? They're, they're probably going to be there as, like, ushers or something like that. <laughs> the, the Italian <laughs> golf. Standard bearers. <laughs> Italian golf is not in a great place. There wasn't, any, there wasn't anyone in the top 50 Whoa, for this Guido. Yeah, Guido might have been, like, 30. But back to our initial conversation, I think... I think Victor is primed to be the biggest letdown. Ooh. Like, he's been, play- ah. he's been playing so good... Like it, it's it, like a Lucas Glover effect. It, it's kind of, well, it's it's like kind of like <laughs> regression to the mean. Like he's been playing way above anything we've ever seen out of him, especially in this last uh, few months. I mean, one part of his game. The rest yeah. of his games looked as good as it has for five years. Yeah. So that part of his game that has always been an issue has been just so way out of you know historical accuracy there. Right. And it, it you're saying like oh it, it does just sometimes come back. It can also just go for Scotty, like, oh, all of a sudden he's yeah, going to yeah. make all those five foot. It's just as likely, in my mind, to all of a sudden, Victor has those kind of issues where he his short game's just a little yippy. You know, it doesn't quite, you know, have that same, you know, it factor that got him to where he is right now. I think he's just kind of primed to have a little bit of a kind of a fall back to a little bit of his more average kind of putting and chip. I mean, you play 18 holes, even if Vic strikes the ball great, he's going to miss probably five, six greens. So, yeah, you're not getting those up and down. You're going to lose those holes. So, I could see that, absolutely. I don't know if he'll be the biggest letdown, but I could see Vic struggling a little bit. I think he's just so hyped up. Yeah, I think knowing that that short game is actually still a bit of a liability, and this is the first time it's on, like, the really big stage, I could I could see it coming down a little bit. All right, that does it for us. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. We'll talk about the result of the Ryder Cup. Go Team USA. And for these couple guys on the couch, go Team Europe. Go fuck yourself. Thanks, Sponsored everyone. Actually, what do you meant to We'll say. see you next week. Sponsored by McDonald's.